Amidst the grounds of the Miskatonic University stands a grim archive. Within lies a collection of the darkest secrets known to mankind. But visitor beware, for what horrors lie within their pages. Can you resist their maddening call, or will you succumb to the tales from the Orna Library? Tonight's story, Love You to Death, by Chaosium Incorporated. Tonight's story is a one-on-one -on -one adventure featuring a single player, Matt Bennett, playing as Chicago private investigator Jack Boone. Now before we begin, there is some necessary background information that is very important in understanding tonight's story. Jack grew up in an orphanage where he whiled away his days playing riddle games with his close friend, Hattie. It was always the two of them together until a girl a few years younger than them helped them out of a tight spot. That girl, Eleanor Sullivan, would become the third member of their posse. As time went on, Ellen developed a severe infatuation with Jack, and as teenagers, bore her heart out to him. He did not feel the same way, and told her so. She snapped and left the little group. As they grew older, Hattie got married to one John May and moved to Chicago. Jack moved around, taking many jobs in many places before finally settling back down in Chicago as well. He never saw Ellen again, but always received letters from her. She always seemed to know where he lived, and that was no different once he moved back to Chicago. For not too long ago did he receive this letter. My love, this time I'm writing to you from Chicago. I know you still live here, and I hope we will be able to meet one day. I can see that famous old water tower from the window of my apartment, and I admire how it's lit up by the setting sun. Today was a cloudless and beautiful day, so I could even spot parts of the shore from my special high perch up on the roof. No one but you knows I come up here. The janitor wouldn't be pleased if he did. He's such a fuss bucket, just like our old director at the orphanage. Do you remember him? Someday I would like to share every sunrise and sunset with you. Our lives would be filled with all the splendid colors of the sky and our love will become everlasting. Be sure I think about you every day and know that I plan our next meeting every chance I get. I think I'll be able to make our paths not only cross very soon, but also lead in the same direction. You may no longer recognize me as the woman I was, but deep down, it will still be me. Look forward to more news from me, my darling. Forever yours, Ellen. Welcome back, listeners, to the Tales from the Orn Library. Today is a one-off episode from the Chaosium Scenario book, Does Love Forgive? Love You to Death. It's Friday, February 15th, 1929. Yesterday, seven men, most of them members of the notorious Northside Gang, were gunned down in a garage on North Clark Street. The gory details of the murders are splashed across Chicago's newspapers, and rumors abound to who carried out the hit. There's even more suspicion that the police might have been involved. As for today, it is a calm, wintry morning. You, Jack Boone, are lounging in your office. I imagine you have a space heater on, the radio's probably playing, and suddenly there is a knock on your door. Come in. Um, the door opens, and uh, you see a very tearful Hattie May, your longtime friend, uh, stumble into your office. She's a very good-looking brunette with usually a sparkle in her green eyes, but now it seems 
she looks much older and the sparkle is gone. She just falls to her knees and continues sobbing. Uh, I go over to her and say, Hattie, Hattie, hey, hey, what's wrong? You saw the news, right? Of course I did. How could I miss it? John's dead. What? My husband John's dead. He was... He was gunned down. He was gunned down. He was just a garage worker. I don't... I don't know why he would have been shot. Well, Hattie. And uh, I, I, I hug her in a calming embrace. She hugs back and there's a, a moment of quiet between the two of you. And then manages to compose herself. She's like, and they took highball too. Remember my dog, the German shepherd? The police took him. What? Why? Why would they do that? I, d- I don't know. He followed John all the way to work yesterday and wouldn't leave him alone. I... They're going to put him down, Jack. They said he was... You know Highball. He loves everyone. He, he goes up to complete strangers and loves them. He, he would never hurt anyone. Why do they want to put him down? All right, all right. Just take it easy for a second, okay? Don't worry. I can, I can sort this out. All right. Uh, you said German Shepherd, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Got to remember that for later. Please, you have you have to help me get him back. I can't, I can't lose both my husband and dog within two days. Hey, don't worry about it, okay? I know, I know some guys that I got some pull with, okay? So, don't worry. I got I I'll take care of it. Anything for you, Hattie? Thank you. You're such a good friend, Jack. And she hugs you again. I try my best. Uh, why don't you make a psychology roll for me? Uh, all right. That's a 27 under 75. So hard success under 37. Okay. So you, you've known Hattie for a long time. And you especially know when she is keeping something from you. Um, now, and like I said, you know her a long time. So you, um, specifically, this is not a malicious hiding of the truth, but she's not telling you everything. All righty. I'll keep that in mind. Um, Hattie does not seem to be telling you the full truth. Uh, in what regard? About her husband or her dog? Or do I not know that? Um, about neither. It's more of that there's something else to the story that she's not mentioning. Okay. But she dries her eyes and stands up and um, she's like, oh, um, give me a sec. And she takes off her scarf and hands it to you. Uh, Highball will recognize this if necessary. He should trust you then. Along with the scarf, she also hands you a photo of herself with highball um, telling you uh, this is in case they need convincing that I am the real owner when you get him back just meet me at my apartment you remember where that is right yeah I know 1144 West Belmont Avenue number five you don't gotta tell me every time Hattie I know (laughs) thank you so much Jack you don't know how much this means to me don't worry Hattie I'll have Highball back before you know it. Thank you. Then she makes her way out of the door. Alrighty. Well, uh, I'm just going to kind of put the scarf over my neck. Alright, so um, if Highball's kept as a police station, I'm going to go talk to my colleague and friend, Officer Bart, whose last name I cannot pronounce. (laughs) Sicharsky. Sicharsky. I'm going to butcher that name so many times it's all good so you step out into the cold february chicago air you walk down the snow laden streets hands deep in your pockets and eventually you round the corner and enter into the chicago police station and as you enter your nose is filled with all the familiar scents of burnt coffee 
cheap cigarettes and old papers. And among many of the familiar faces, you see your friend, Officer Sicharsky. He uh, looks up at you. He's of average size and build with kind of a grizzled, careworn appearance, despite his relative youth. Um, he has a rough goatee and mustache and wears thick-rimmed spectacles. And he's like, oh, hey there, Jack. Hey, Bart. So, uh, what you up to today? Oh, doing a favor for a friend. Uh, a friend of mine came in and she said that her dog was, uh, found and taken in and is going to be put down. I can't let that happen, you understand? Yeah, I get you. It's a, uh, it's a German Shepherd if, uh, if you've seen one come through. Yeah, you know, in fact we do, we, uh... Highball was the name, right? It's on the name on the tag. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. So uh, I gotta tell you though, they're not just really gonna let any any random Joe Schmo come in here and uh, just take the dog. You have to. You have to. I, prove. I, pull, I pull out the photo and just uh, show him, like just stick out in front of him. Well, that should do it. Um, yeah, if you want to follow me. Um, he stands up, puts his coffee down, and takes you to another room where all the holding cells are. Uh, and one of the holding cells is indeed a very, a very handsome-looking German shepherd, looking sullen on the ground. As Bart approaches, he kind of he looks at him and growls a little bit, um, but then stops as you get closer. Um, and he starts kind of sniffing the air. Well, uh, he is the dog. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd really hate for this dog to uh, get put down. So, uh, by all means. Of course. Here, Highball. Come here. You know me. It's your Uncle Jackie. The dog sniffs up a few more and, you know, opens its tongue and starts panting and wagging its tail and getting a little excited. Specifically, as um, the scarf gets closer to him, he has, he has calmed down plenty. Yeah, I'm like uh, kneeling down and petting him. I, I just say, yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, it's a good thing we have him here. You know, she she lost her husband already. It'd be it'd be horrible if she lost her dog too. Her husband. Uh, what was her name by chance? Uh, her name is Hattie May. Why? Any relation to a John May? Did you find him? He was one of the. One of the uh, casualties of the massacre yesterday. Yeah, that's uh, that's what Hattie said. Is the is his body here? Yeah, but I'm afraid you wouldn't have the clearance to take a look at him. So why not? Well, because you don't work for the police department, and you're not working on the case. But come on, it's my friend's husband we're talking about here. I know. Can't you just let this slide one time? Listen, I'm already kind of letting it slide with the dog. There's not much I can do, Jack. Uh, the coroners are still working on it. She'll have a chance to take a look at him once the autopsy's done. I want to see if I can persuade him. Okay. So that's a 62 under 70. Come on, Bart. Remember how I helped you on the Miller case? You got me there. Um... Here's what I can do for you, okay? I Listen, I, I'd be facing a lot of trouble if I let you take a look at the body. But I can uh, give you some of the evidence that we discovered in some of the preliminary suspects and whatnot. Is that enough, do you think? Yeah, I think that should be fine. Thank you, Bart. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and uh, he pulls out a leash for the dog. Ah, thank you. I grab it and uh, hook up a uh, highball. Mm -hmm. And uh, then he leads you back. He's like, all right, follow me. Um, he sits back down at his desk and desk, desk and kind of sighs and moves some paper around. And uh, here we go. So if you want to go ahead and read those documents. All right, I'll start with the statement first. Statement taken by B. Shikarsky. Witness, Frank Gusenberg. Uh, place, Provident Hospital of Cook County, room number 27, date February 14th, 1929. Despite suffering from 14 gunshot wounds, 
Mr. Gusenberg initially claimed that no one had opened fire on him. When his level of painkillers was reduced, it was possible to gain limited information concerning the course of events. The victims were in the buildings at 2122 North Clark Street. Two men dressed in police uniforms and armed with submachine guns entered the property and ordered the occupants to line up facing the wall, under the pretext of arresting them. The witness many times emphasized that a German Shepherd dog, also present in the building, started to bark as soon as the killers entered the garage. He claimed that the attackers took several shots at the dog. The animal initially appeared to have been killed, but revived after the gunman left the building and was apparently unharmed. The witness did not give any information that could be helpful during the investigation. Signed by Officer Bartholomew Shikarsky, Chicago PD. That's interesting. So it says that the dog got shot and appeared to be dead, but it was revived. Interesting. Yeah, strange, right? I mean, don't make sense, but hey, it's what the it's all we got so far. All right, and then the other the scrap of paper says. Victims, Frank Gusenberg, Peter Gusenberg, Adam Heyer, Albert Kachelik, John May, Reinhard Schwimmer, and Albert Weinshank. Suspects, Al Capone, Jack, Machine Gun, McGurn, Fred Burke, Gus Winkler, Fred Goetz, aka Shotgun, George Ziegler, Ray Nugent, and Claude Maddox. So a lot of, a lot of these guys are on your hit list, aren't they? Yeah, I mean... He leans in close. Between the two of us, most of the guys in this office are being paid off by uh, one or two of these gangs. I myself am not. I can cleanly and honestly admit that. And you know that about me. But uh, this is why things are going so slow with this thing, is that uh, no one really wants to get these guys mad. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, I think it's best if you take the dog and, and head out now. I, I, I've, I've said a little more than I think is uh, allowed. Hey, don't worry, Bart. My lips are sealed. You know right? Yeah, you take care. You too, Bart. And I head out the door. And uh, as I'm walking down the street a little bit, uh, when I get, like, when I get down to, like, my place around there, I stop for a second and I get curious about what the statement said, and I uh, do a quick inspection of Highball. Okay. So he's a German Shepherd with brown and black coloring and very expressive brown eyes. Um, he wears a wide leather collar um, with a plate that says his name. But then, strangely enough, there is a silver unk that dangles from a metal ring on the collar. What the heck is this? I like, I like let it dangle in my hand and I'm just like looking at it. Mm hmm. It's just odd. Does it just feel like metal? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, is there anything else I find out interesting about him? Nope. There's like no evidence of gunshot wounds. There's no evidence of damage of any kind. Yeah, he's perfectly healthy. Hmm. All right. Well, uh,. I'll just make a mental note of uh, the weird ornament, I suppose, and uh, make my way to Hattie's. Alrighty. So once again, you brace yourself for the Midwest chill and walk down the familiar streets of Chicago, and eventually you find your way to her apartment building. But when you reach her apartment, uh, you find that her door is... A jar. Uh, how's Highball reacting? He seems a little nervous, but you think it could also be excitement? Well, I'm just gonna slowly walk to the door and just uh, knock on it. Just Hattie? No answer. That's suspicious. I'm gonna let go of uh, Highball's leash and uh, like, take out my gun, but, like, have it lowered, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna slowly open the door and scan the room. Okay. Does not appear to be any sign of Hattie inside, um, but also does not look like there's been a break-in. I'm just gonna call out, Hattie? 
again here? Again, no response. Uh, can you quick tell me the layout of her of her place? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It's a simple affair. There's um, to the right of the door. There's a small kitchen. Ahead of the door is a uh, relatively small like living room. There's a couple um, floral print couches, um, a coffee table in one corner uh, with a dining table tucked in against a wall. Um, to the right of the living room is the bathroom, and then to the left of it is the bedroom. There is also a tall bookcase. Oh, there's also a writing desk um, adjacent to one of the sofas. And beside the writing desk is her purse, which lies open on the floor. And sticking out of it is a dagger of some sort. And I do notice that. That's like the first thing I notice. Yeah, that would be the first thing that's out of place. Oh, well, I'll go over to her purse and I'll examine the dagger. Okay. It is um, a six inch curved blade. Its hilt is decorated with a floral design and has a large ruby embedded in the pommel. Uh, If you would like to make an appraise history or knowledge roll, you can, or you can make an occult roll. Um... Are those separate? You said appraise, comma, history, comma, knowledge rule? Comma, occult. Okay. Um, fuck. What's my best one? Yeah. I, don't see a, I don't see a knowledge rule anywhere. I think this is an education. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I'll make an education roll on it then. Okay. And this is a hard roll, so you have to roll under your half. Yo, I just rolled a zero. Holy shit. I shit you not. I can send you a picture of this right now. Oh, I believe you. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, shit. I, um, I'm gonna say you know this because like a couple years ago, you investigated a crime with a similar weapon. It's an Ottoman Kanjar. Uh, I'll say uh, just to myself. Well, good to know Hattie defends herself. Why would she have a knife like knife like this in a purse? Highball seems to be now seems to be very nervous. Hey, Highball, what's wrong? He whines and um starts kind of pacing towards the bathroom. Uh, I'm going to have my gun in both hands and just uh, slowly walk towards the bathroom door. Mm-hmm. Uh, you enter in the bathroom um, slowly and. Uh, Flick the light on and there is nothing. However, if you want to make a spot hidden roll for me. Sure. 51 under 75. Okay. Uh, You take a quick scan of the bathroom and you see near the tub, there is a loose tile. Uh, All right. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can pry off that loose tile. You do so, it's really easy, and you find a folded piece of paper behind it. I unfold it and read it. It contains two hastily drawn riddles. Um, The first one reads this, and if you could read that out loud, please. All right. All right, so the riddle says, Even without being asked, it will answer willingly, and it can speak any and all languages fluently, although bashfully, it will not speak first. It will repeat after you the things last versed. And then the second one. Uh, second one reads, It has no bones, but has a spine. And while its leaves turn, they never change color. It never speaks, yet is never short of a story to tell. <sighs> I just say to myself, classic Hattie, always with the riddles. Well, obviously the second one is a book. What about that first one? Hmm. Maybe it's a radio? And I go to a radio and inspect it to see if anything's out of the, out of the ordinary. Nothing seems to be out of an or- out of the ordinary. Repeat after you. An echo. An echo book. Uh, I'm going to go back to the bookshelf. Okay. Um, You take a look around and 
sure enough, there is a book titled Echo on her bookshelf. Are you fucking kidding me? Jesus Christ. Uh, I pick it up from the bookshelf. All right. I open it. It appears to actually be a diary. Hattie's diary. All right. What does page one say? It's basic stuff. Um, You flip through it, and then you look at the last few entries, which are dated from the first. There's only four entries um, dated first to 15th. All right. So the first diary entry, February 1st, 1929. Tonight, for the first time, I took part in something the other wives jokingly call their witchcraft meetings. I admit it was quite interesting, but I can't shake the feeling that the woman who organizes them can perform real, honest-to-goodness magic. Last week, apparently, she gave Irene a prediction and it actually happened. Lucille Moran, who was also at the meeting, and she confirmed it. Quite a few of Mystic Maraid's predictions have come through over the last few months since these meetings started. I'm not sure I approve of or believe in and of it. But if this is what all the other wives are doing, then perhaps I'd better go to another one, if only to see Lucille again. February 11th, 1929. This meeting was much more unsettling. For some reason, Mystic Maraid kept staring straight at me through that veil of hers when she was performing these incantations she claims to let her see the future. Not just looking, but really staring, like she was trying to get inside my head and read my thoughts. I started to get a splitting headache, so I made it my excuses and left. I never want to go back to another one of these meetings ever again, even though I can't explain why. The whole thing's left me feeling really unnerved. I also have this strange feeling that I've met Maraid before, but I can't think of where or when. February 12th, 1929. Lucille came to me this morning and she was very disturbed. She said she's resigned from the witchcraft meetings. She also told me that she had a feeling I was in danger and that somebody has designs on my life. I got a silver amulet from her. She told me to wear it as they would help keep me safe. She also gave me a dagger and told me to carry it with me always for protection. She made me put it in my purse and made me swear not to part with it at any time. If she told me this last night, I would have taken her a bit more seriously, but now, I don't know. Who could possibly want to harm me? I put the amulet, an adorable little silver cross thing, on Highball's collar. It really suits him. February 15th, 1929. John, my love, is it my fault you were taken from me? Could I have done something to prevent your death? I feel so lost. What if Lucille is right? Who will protect me when I'm gone? I'm sure someone's been watching me, and my head's been hurting so badly since yesterday. I hope that Highball will really return to me. I don't know what I'd do without him now. There is someone I can go see. My very old and dear friend, Jack Boone. I only pray he can help. I'll feel much safer once Highball is back home again. Huh. And that's the last entry. Well, I take a look at uh, Highball. He's just kind of looking at you, a little whining briefly. I take a look at his uh, little cross thing, too. Yeah, it, nothing's changed about it. Um, now, okay, this is going to be out of character. I've made the connection. Uh, clearly Highball was shot during the massacre and the, the little Ankh, uh, protected him and brought him back to life, I guess. Yeah. So I know that. Would Jack know that? Would Jack connect the dots? Is Jack a believer in strange things? I'm gonna say yeah. Then I can say he has a he has a a feeling in his gut that the Ankh might be a cause for his safety. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go to uh, Hattie's purse again. Mm -hmm. I know this is improper, but I'm gonna have to dig around that purse and see if there's anything. Any other hint in there? Uh, there appears to be a... Um, the only other thing that seems slightly odd is a scrap of paper with a phone number and underneath the words L. Moran. 
And you would know, being an investigator, uh, that the Morans are the leaders of the Northside gang. Oh, lovely. Well, either way, this is an, this is our next clue. Uh, so I'm going to safely pocket the knife because I might need it, according to this uh, to this diary. And uh, before I leave, I'm going to do a quick check around the the apartment, see if anything else is out of place or weird or anything like that. Okay. As far as you can tell, nothing else seems to be out of place. Okay. Um, all right, then. So I'll safely uh, package the knife up and take it with me, uh, grab Highball's leash, uh, close the door, and I'm going to uh, head over to Lucille Moran, Moran's house. So something that you know it's common, very common knowledge of is that she doesn't take any chances with meeting people she doesn't know. So um, I... I leave, I close the apartment door and I'm just standing in the hallway to take a look at the paper again. Lucille Moran. That's, that doesn't bide well. I better go check with Billy. So, it is not the first time you have come to Dorothy's diner to find Billy eating his blueberry pie and flirting with the waitresses. The diner is located not far from the Children's Memorial Hospital and is warm and cozy and smells delicious. The light from the big stained glass lamps hanging from the ceiling illuminate the counter and its large glass case full of tempting pastries, as well as the diner's glass top tables and their artistically carved legs. Lovely sentence. <laughs> and you see Billy. Uh, he's a bit of a baby faced guy, um, very young. Just starting to get some peach fuzz. Um, he's leaning on the counter, chatting away with one of the waitresses who seems to be completely uninterested in him. Uh, I'm going to walk up slowly and uh, not really say anything and see how his little interaction plays out. He's like, uh, so perhaps a uh, little bit of sliz like you, maybe we can... Uh, after your shift is done, go get a burger or something, you know? Maybe I can uh, take you to one of those talkies downtown. What do you say? The girl just kind of like um, rolls her eyes. Listen, Billy. The time that I go out with you is a time when pigs fly, and I ain't seeing any flying pigs. Then she walks off. I see you're as popular as ever. Uh, oh, hey there, Jack. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm assuming you're interrupting my, uh, lunch to ask me for a favor? The usual? Yeah, the usual. So, uh, and he, he leans back, laces his hands behind his head. What can I do for you this time, Jack? Well, this one's a little more personal. I went down to the station and got my, uh, uh, my oldest friend's dog, who uh, was caught up in the massacre that happened yesterday. So I got him, came back to her place. She's gone, left me a little trail, and I found this address for one Lucille Moran. <laughs> I'm sorry, my, my ears must not be working. Did you say Lucille Moran, like the Lucille Moran? I didn't stutter, now did I? Jesus Christ, Jack. Do you know what you're asking me? Yeah, I do. And I don't have anyone else to turn to. <sighs> well, I do owe you. Yeah. You saved my ass there a couple weeks back. All right. Uh, well, I got to go make a couple phone calls. And he says, kind of looking around to make sure no one's like, there's no rival gang member or someone watching him. And he um, hops off his chair, grabs a last bite of his pie, and then uh, disappears outside the diner. In the meantime, I suppose I'll just uh, order myself a coffee. So you get your coffee and you wait another couple minutes. 
And then the door opens and Billy uh, slides back into his into his seat and he's like, All right, listen, you're in luck. Um, Lucille wants to meet today at our apartment. 30 minutes. Don't be late. And he hands you a uh, little piece of paper with a hastily scrawled address. Parkway Hotel, 2100 North Lincoln Park West. I knew I could count on you, Billy. You're the best. And I pat him on the shoulder and uh, finish my coffee and uh, make my way outside. And as I'm, as, I'm, as I'm leaving, I say, I won't forget it. And he, he, he waves off to you. Um, he's like, that makes two of us. So I make my way to the address. So yeah, you find your way down to well, the higher class side of town to a large hotel. And uh, you make your way up to her room. You don't even get to knock the door before the door opens. And um, she's about average height and build. She has dark hair that's very fashionably styled. And she's immaculately dressed right now. You know, top of the line fashion for the time period. And she looks you up and down. Are you Jack Boone? Pleasure to make your acquaintance. You must be Lucille Moran. Am I correct? Indeed you are. Follow me inside. Uh, I follow her inside. Okay. Um, and uh, I guess I, um, I like have highball just kind of s- stay in one spot. Mm-hmm. He sits very uh, obediently. So, Billy tells me that you needed to meet me. Something about Hattie May. Yes, I uh, went to her apartment to return her uh, cute little dog here, and um, I found uh, her diary. It mentioned a group of people who were doing witchcraft meetings that you guys were oh, a part yes, of. Oh yes, of course. Our group of friends used to meet together every now and then to do seances and readings with one mystic Mared. But I don't do that anymore. I see. Well, none of my business uh, what you do. However, uh, it doesn't solve the problem that I see Hattie this morning, I come back and she's missing. And she doesn't have a purse with a very intricately fashioned knife. Hattie's missing? Her expression turns from slight worry to extreme worry, and her eyes flare up, and she says, Hattie is in mortal danger, and she must be found. I will gladly tell you everything I know. All right, good. So why why would Hattie be in danger? Who Who is posing a threat to her? Is it one of the gangs? No. I think it might be this mystic Maurade. There's something about her that I don't like. You see, where I come from, we respect magic and don't mess with powerful forces. But she just has no regard for it. And she seemed to be focused only on Hattie when she arrived. That's why I gave her the amulet to protect her and the knife should she need to defend herself. It was only temporary. I, I hope to get it back when the threat was over, but yes. Well, I don't know if she took your warnings too seriously. She kept a knife in her purse, uh, and I I found it, so I have a hold of it, and she gave that little amulet to uh, Highball over there. What? Why is she not wearing it? Without it, she has no protection against that woman's power. You must find her and put it on her so she will be safe. Well, yeah, anything I can do to help her out, but I need to know where she would be first. I have no idea where she would be. I think the mystic, Mystic Maraid, has her, except, well, that's not her real name. I did a little digging, and uh, obviously Maraid is a pseudonym. Her real name is Ellen O'Sullivan. I don't see how this is relevant, but it might help you locate an apartment. Ellen O'Sullivan. Are you fucking kidding me? Are are you you absolute motherfucker? Um, she notices your recognition and uh, cocks her head. Does does that name mean anything to you? Yeah, 
and um, this isn't this is definitely not good. She was a uh, not an old flame, but she had a crush on me back in uh, the orphanage where we grew up. I uh, I have to go right now. Yes. And uh, I take highball and I leave quickly. As you leave, she shouts, Beware, she may be practicing a very dark ritual. A ritual that involves a mind transfer spell. You need to stop it. Don't worry, I will. And actually, before I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say, Actually, would it be okay if uh, I left highball in, in your hands for the time being? I don't think that is wise. I'm... Allergic to dogs. I want to try and convince her. Okay. Charm or persuasion? Uh, I'm just going to do a persuasion. Okay. 62 under 70. Okay. Fine. It's a favor for Hattie. All right. You can need the dog here. Thank you so much. And I just pat him on the head real quick and I say, All right, you be good and you do everything she says, okay? He gives you a little lick and then curls up and lays down on the floor. Good boy. All right, and then I make my way out. Now, would I know where her address is? Because if I recall correctly, uh, she bounces from like place to place, but always seems to know where I live. Mm-hmm. I will give this to you. You can find her apartment based off of the context clues that she gave in the letter, specifically the water tower. And um, you've been in Chicago for a long time, and especially being a private investigator, um, you would recognize it as the apartment building at 750 Michigan Avenue. All right. Well, what do you know? I go there. Okay. Yeah, you you hurry down the streets, and eventually you make your way to 750 Michigan Avenue. As you approach, there is a doorman um, who notices your arrival and kind of looks you up and down. He kind of like, can I do for you? I'm looking for my friend, and uh, I think she might be here. And uh, what's her name? Her name is uh, Ellen. Uh, last name? O'Sullivan. Oh, yeah, Ellen O'Sullivan. I saw her come in uh, not too long ago, about uh, a couple hours ago. She had a friend with her, a very pretty brunette. Looked a little cold, wasn't wearing a scarf. But who am I to judge? You going in for a visit, eh? Yep. Personal business, you'll understand, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be top floor, room 35. Thank you very much. You have a good day. Yep, you too. And he opens the door. All right, I walk in, and uh, you said floor 35, right? Just top floor, room 35. Oh, top floor. So you make your way up to the specified room and floor, and um, the door is locked. Well... I see two ways I can do this. The nice at first way or the violent all the way way. Hmm. You start carrying a coin around in my dice bag. Uh, heads or tails, Jacob? Heads. All right. Uh, violent way it is then, I guess. Uh, I take my gun out. And um, I uh, get it ready. And then I kick the door down. Okay, make a hard strength roll for me. Ooh. Twenty-four under thirty-two. Whew. All right. Yeah. Whew. Um, and I also need you to make a luck roll for me. Oh God, where is my luck? There's my luck. That's a seventy-four over thirty. Okay. Um, so you kick it in, and a couple people start popping out of the doors and looking at you strangely. Um, but you, I assume you just ignore them and head right in, right? Uh, yeah. And I, I like quick look at their face to see if they're Ellen or Hattie. Okay. Uh, there is no one in here. I'm sorry? There's, There's... the apartment is empty. Wh- what? Uh... Man, okay. Make a listen roll for me. You fuck. 14 under 22. Damn. That's a hard success. You are on the top floor. 
and um, you can faintly hear voices coming from the roof. Of course. Why didn't I think of that already? The, like, I remember the, uh, the letter she wrote me. She said, no one but I knows that she goes up there. Of course. Where's the stairs to the roof? Uh, the stairs are down the hall. I go down the hall and go up the stairs to the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, look around to see if any of the hotel people are watching and confirm that they are not, and you slip in and head up to the rooftop. So you burst onto the rooftop, and uh, what you see is a little bit grisly. You find Hattie standing over Ellen's body. There's a bloody knife in her hand. Um, so I will ask you to make a sanity roll. Oh, geez. Three. Okay, wow. Jesus Christ, these are the best dice ever. Um, And she kind of looks at you shakily and drops the knife and like, I, I, I didn't mean to stab her. I was trying to escape, and it all happened so fast. What happened? Are you hurt? Yeah, no. Um, And you take a look around, and you can see there's a strange, not quite pentagram, but pentagram-like sigil on the ground. There are candles lining it, weird tendril-like carvings as well. And uh, she she looks at you and is like, she brought me up here to do... I don't know what was going on. Suddenly, she's chanting something, and 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 and, and then 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 I I stabbed her. Oh God. Hey, hey, hey! It'll, it'll be okay, okay? She walks up and gives you uh, a hug. She's like, "Thank you, Jack. I can always count on you to be my knight in shining armor. Will you walk me to my apartment?" Of course, you got it. And hey, uh, I found Highball, too. Oh, lovely. Uh, maybe we can... You can bring him to the apartment later. Yeah, for now, let's let's uh, get you home. She kind of um, huddles up close to you as you walk her out. You find yourself alone on the walk to her apartment, and she says, You know, Jack, I've always felt strongly for you. Even though I, I love John, I, I think I always loved you more. Uh, wait, Jacob. 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 Yeah? How dare you? Oh my god. Don't you be silent, you piece of shit. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, like, let me... Let Jack react to that first, and then let me yell at you later. Okay. What? Hey, what are you talking about? You married John for a reason. Oh, I know, but I always ever had eyes on you, and especially once you moved back to Chicago. I just fell hopelessly in love with you again. Uh, Like, Hattie, I'm flattered, but you're my best friend. I can't think of you like that. I don't see why not. And she starts to um, say something strange under her breath. And I would like you to make a power roll for me. Dice don't fail me now. 64 under 65. I can't make this up. I cannot make this up. She got a 16. She she looks at you and Don't you love me too? And you do. You most certainly feel like you do too. And uh she says You know what? Let's leave the dog. I never really liked him that much. What but Hattie, he's such a nice dog and you sent me to get him and everything. He's, he's so oh, cute. True, but... Well, I never liked him anyways. And then she leans in and whispers in your ear, Besides, I have everything I need. You finally love me. 
You finally love Ellen O'Sullivan. In your heart, the revelation shocks you and should terrify you. But something in your mind is telling you it's okay. Everything is going to be all right. For after all, why you're in love. And yesterday was Valentine's Day. Might as well make the best of it. And the two of you walk hand in hand through the snowbound streets of Chicago. And that is where we will end our story for tonight. We sincerely thank you for listening to our strange story tonight, and we hope it gave you chills and thrills alike. Join us next time for the return of Long Way From Home with Part 5, Rest and Radiation. Follow us on social media. We are Tales from the Orn Library Official on Facebook and at Orn Library Pod on Twitter. Additionally, you can visit our website at talesfromtheornlibrary.com where you can view all the handouts used in the show thus far. And until next time, remember, the library is always open. (laughs) 